0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Coding and Coffee today. Um, I'm super, super excited. I had been preparing all last week to talk to you about um, EM visits, evaluation and management visits, when they're performed with another CPT code or procedure code. But then Monday, we received our 2022 ICD-10 guidelines. And I was thrilled. So I started putting together some, some notes that I wanted to chat with you about. And then Tuesday, the Medicare providers fee schedule, the proposed rule dropped. And there were so many things in the proposed rule that I got really excited about. I thought, you know what, since the proposed rule is on a timeline, let's chat about that first. Um, and then we can go back next week and we can chat up about a couple of other things that really are very interesting to us. So um, let's talk about that. Every year. What is the, the Medicare provider fee schedule proposal? Right, Christine? I have, First time I've heard of that. Uh, not me, but you know, maybe you're thinking that every year since 1992, CMS reports its proposed changes for the next year. So those changes that come about, they just don't pop up. It's not something that was imposed upon us. It's something that uh, a proposal goes out every year. And it's not just for the provider fee schedule. Now, you know, I love pro-fee, so that's where my focus is. And and earlier in this year, we had other proposals for different Medicare benefits, facility, hospice and home health, um, DME, those types of other areas had their proposals drop, but Um, Again, since I love Profi, that's where my passion lies. Now, um, every year, Medicare takes into account maybe some of those things that they paused from last year or new items that have been proposed from providers or administration for the coming year. So they look at all of those inquiries and requests, and um, then they put together a proposal based on some of those that are the most commonly reported or the things that greatly impact us this year, right? Things that need to be weighed in on. And so they receive comments and considerations. They respond to those comments and they take that into account for the final rule. Now, the final rule usually comes out in about November because the dates for us to respond to these proposals is September 13th. And and again, that's why I go back to, I felt like it was so very important that I reach out to you. So um, we're going to weigh in on all of these proposed subjects between now and September 13th, 2021. And then again, the final rule based on those comments, requests, concerns, things that they take into account, they're going to release the final rule in November for the changes for 2022. Now, of course, in 30 minutes, we're not gonna be able to go over all of these changes. Um, That's really what another webinar would be for. And I'm looking forward to doing that for you too, putting together a webinar to give you that information. Um, But, and the other thing I wanted to tell you was, uh, the full proposal is 1,747 pages. And although I know I look very tired today, I only had an opportunity to read CMS's fact sheet. So guess what I'm going to be doing this weekend? Hopefully I'm going to intrigue you enough that you're going to want to read the whole proposal, that whole 1747 pages this weekend. So feel free to join me. And here's the link to the fee, excuse me, to the fact sheet. And then there's also going to be a link at the end of the program, for the full PDF if you want to take that dive with me this weekend. There are about 25 items, give or take, that are listed on the facts sheet. Um, But some of these items overlap and and some of these items uh, affect each and every one of us in different ways. At least one way or another, it affects us. So the first thing that caught my eye was the conversion factor proposal for 2022. So again, you know that every CPT code has allotted RVUs for it, that relative value unit. And and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to chat on that on another episode of Coding & Coffee because it's kind of really cool the way that they come up with the pricing and the reimbursement for each one of these CPT codes. Um, But that's for another episode, again. So considering that we also had a 3.75 temporary payment increase from the Consolidated Appropriations Act, you remember that it dropped at the very end of um, 2020, went into effect, I think the beginning first week of 2021 and um, that Appropriations Act gave us an additional 3.75 temporary increase. So taking that into account, the conversion factor for 2022 actually shows a decrease of $1.31. So last year we were at $34.89, this year the conversion factor that's proposed is $33.58. Now you do the math and see how that reduction in uh, uh, the conversion factor allowance, how is that going to affect your procedures and services overall for 2022? That might be one of the first areas that you Think about making a comment on. Um, The next item that I was very curious about was the split and shared visits in a facility setting. So I don't know if you guys remember, but a few months back, they we discussed, or excuse me, a few episodes back, we discussed the incident two benefits for um, office and clinical services, right? Clinic services. So we we learned that incident two was a benefit in the office. Well, shared and split visits that's a similar benefit, but it's in a facility setting, right? So it can only be used in hospitals and things like that. And the benefit itself was actually removed earlier this year from the Medicare Benefits Policy Manual. They took it out and they entered in just this blurb that says, um, you know, removed for further clarification in the future. So that proposal now gives us that Clarification that they were looking for. And so in the proposal, they are talking about um, defining the relationship between the provider and the non-physician practitioner doing the shared and split and shared visits. So they must be from the same group. That NPP has to be an expense to the practice that is billing for those uh, split and shared services. So it can't be maybe an NP that the hospital has provided to assist you in your practice or maybe, um, you know, a prosthetics manufacturer has offered to give you an NPP to help you with your patient load or, you know, any of those scenarios. They're making it very clear that that NPP must be an expense to your practice. So they've got to be associated with the same group there. And the the provider who performs the most work on the encounter should bill for the visit. So they've given us that clarification as well. Uh, split and, and shared visits, they can be reported or they're proposing, ooh, I have to be careful with that, right guys? They're proposing that it should be reported for new and established patients, um, initial and subsequent encounters, and also for prolonged services. So that's that's really good. That's something that I think is, going to be very helpful. Um, CMS has proposed implementing a modifier to indicate when this uh, shared split and shared visit benefit is used. And they're doing that to kind of help keep people honest, right? and that way indicate when uh, the record has those two providers reporting on it. Um, and that's another thing that they're going to require is that each one of the providers who perform a, a particular portion of the split or shared visit? Um, the documentation should easily show that one, you know both providers are contributing to the overall encounter that's being split and shared, and it must include the electronic signature of both providers and the date that uh, their documentation or that visit was was completed for that patient. So they are giving us a lot of new boundaries that we didn't have or maybe were were. Um, confusing in the past. Um, I'm really excited to see that they're moving forward. We're going to continue doing this. Our NPPs are so valuable to help us in healthcare. Um, The proposal also includes some changes to critical care services, teaching physician services, and uh, telehealth services, and and mainly those telehealth services for mental health services. And they are proposing that an in-person or a non-telehealth service be provided six months prior to the initial telehealth service. And then again, one of those in-person non-telehealth visits every six months thereafter. So uh, if you're, any of you are doing telehealth, mental health telehealth, uh, this might be an area that you want to comment on, especially since you know that's six months of therapy before you could start using telehealth. And we've seen a lot of benefits from telehealth in the mental health world. Um, CMS is also asking for providers to comment on whether mental health telephone only or those audio only services are necessary or appropriate. Um, and they're also looking at the clinical appropriateness of those types of visits to that telephone only um, especially for some of those higher services where they're also reporting a high level ENM with psychotherapy with crisis. So they're asking for a lot of comments from our mental health community there and I hope we take advantage of that. Um, phys- therapy services, physical therapy and occupational therapy services. We've had this little dooming cloud sitting over our head for a while, knowing that CMS intends to move forward with a 15% reduction for services provided whole or in part. And there's that in part of, so any services that include um, services provided by the PTAs and the OTAs, they're going to give you a 15% reduction, much like what they do for the NPPs um, at this time. And that is going to go into effect January 1st, 2022. So that's not a proposal, that's just, um, it was a reassurance that that is happening. CMS also is implementing a couple of new modifiers to indicate those services that were provided wholly or in part uh, by a PTA or an OTA. So we're looking for modifiers CQ and C0 to identify those PTA and OTA services to Uh, that are subject to that reduction. We did know this was coming, again, um, uh, in previous proposals and final rules. Uh, There's also some changes that were in response to providers about the Disminius standard. And this allows time services to be billed without that particular modifier in the cases where the PTA or the OTA participates in providing care with the PT and the OT as long as the billing requirements for that time service have been met. So that midpoint way have been met um, for those combined services with PT and OT. So if your practice is providing PT and OT services, um, you're gonna give that full proposal a read. It's gonna definitely give you some outlines of of where they're looking to make any modifications that might be in your benefit. Um, Vaccine administrations, last year there was a 30% reduction in vaccine administrations and now CMS is seeking comments on um, the different types of healthcare providers who furnish vaccines um, and how that cost of furnishing those vaccines, flu, pneumonia, hepatitis B vaccines, how those compare to the cost of administering the COVID-19 vaccine and how some of those costs differ from different types of healthcare providers. So. Um, Again, they reimbursed quite a bit for the COVID-19 vaccine, and I think there was a lot of pushback from providers that said, hey, what's the difference between giving a flu shot and giving a COVID-19 shot, other than the fact that this is a a new vaccine, but it's still a vaccine. So um, they're also looking for some comments on the reimbursement for COVID-19 vaccines that are given to a patient in their home. So um, if you're doing any of those vaccination administrations, this is a place that you want to kind of take a look in. And again, I encourage you to weigh in on we, we can't change things if we don't participate. Um, the payment for medical nutrition therapy services um, related to services that were th- that this time they're reimbursed at. OK, bear with me, guys. This is a little tricky. Right now, they reimburse 80 percent of the 85 percent allowable. So again, 85% because they're a non-physician practitioner, but they only reimburse up to 80% for those um, registered dietitians and other nutritional specialists. And the proposal is um, proposing, yeah, I guess, (laughs) that they increase that allowable to 100% of the 85% non-physician fee schedule reimbursement. So that's something that we will definitely wanna weigh in on if you're a registered dietitian or a nutritionist or if your practice provides that uh, medical nutritional therapy service through a registered dietitian or uh, nutritional specialist. So uh, definitely wanna increase that reimbursement. It's such a wonderful benefit. I know I digress, but I really think that we could, you know, tackle a lot of our chronic conditions if we really change the way we eat. But okay, my soapbox, sorry guys, the proposal also includes um, some beneficiary co-insurance changes when a patient presents uh, for uh, colorectal cancer screenings at the same time as evaluation and management visit or annual wellness visit. So they're, they're talking about changing that or increasing that, um, that reimbursement or decreasing the patient's co-insurance reimbursement. You really gotta take a, a read for that if you're doing any of those colorectal cancer screening tests at the same time as office visits or annual wellness visits. Also, um, if your practice is involved in any of the opiate treatment programs, you're gonna to wanna to take a look. There was some, some proposed changes to those payment policies for the opiate treatment program. Lots of changes proposed for rural health centers. So uh, payment limits per visit, they're proposing some changes to that. Proposing changes to federal qualified health care centers for mental health services that are provided in those facilities, hospice patients, um, TCM, transitional care management, chronic care management services performed by uh, RHCs or FQHCs. Also, there's been some technical updates to administering or furnishing COVID vaccines in RHCs and FQHCs and tribal payments in FQHCs. So again, if you're anywhere working with FQHCs or RHCs, you're gonna to wanna to take a look at this proposal because there are some changes that are in there. Um, some other changes are the electronic prescription of controlled substances. So we know that it requires um, all those controlled substances for schedule 2, 3, 4, and five controlled substances that are covered through Medicare Part D to be submitted electronically. So the proposal it includes some exceptions to the rule, um, whether a prescriber and a dispensing pharmacy are the same entity, whether the prescriber has uh, less than 100 uh, controlled substance prescriptions in a calendar year, for prescribers who are in a geographical area of a natural disaster or who are granted a waiver based on extraordinary circumstances. Um, and a few other things that are listed there for those prescription drugs. Also, there made some change, some proposed changes for um, the average sale price for certain self-administered drugs, and also the drugs that are receiving payment through Section Five Hundred Five B Two. So, I want you to take a look at this. Uh, if if you know, if you do nothing but get a chance to take a look at the fact sheet itself, that's going to be very very beneficial to you there are some proposed changes for clinical labs so the laboratory specimen collection and travel allowance for those homebound patients there is also um, in the proposal another push for appropriate use criteria so if you if you know me you know we've talked about appropriate use criteria and how it was coming doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reporting we shouldn't be checking those systems and reporting the appropriate use criteria, however, um, the penalty for not submitting the the proper appropriate use criteria support isn't going to be implemented until January 1st, 2023, or January 1st after the end of the public health emergency. I guess that CMS figures, we have so much on our hands, this is the last thing we need is to worry about appropriate use criteria at this time. So. but it is coming, guys, so, so don't don't turn a blind eye. Um, there are also uh, some proposals about expanding the coverage of outpatient pulmonary rehab services. So if you're doing any of those in your practice, please be aware that there are some proposed changes. Uh, the Medicare Shared Savings Program. So if your practice participates with an ACO um, that is reporting any of your advanced payment model, APMs, or any of the merit-based incentive programs if your par- your practice participates in mips you're going to want to read the items in the proposal so these differ from the quality payment proposal that was released earlier so we want to definitely take a look at that there's also some updates to the open payment financial transparency program um, that's that national program that requires all of our drug reps and our device manufacturers to report payments or anything of value that is given to physicians, teaching hospitals or other providers. Um, Don't worry guys, they're not gonna be taking away your drug rep sponsored breakfasts, lunch or snacks. I didn't realize that they provide you with that many. Uh, When I got into healthcare, the only thing we got were like lunches once a month. And um, I recently was auditing in a provider's office and they brought in snacks. Oh wow, I have been missing out. Um, So those aren't going away. There are some proposed items on the Medicare provider enrollment. And lastly, there are some proposed items for ground ambulance data collection systems. So again, if any of these areas affect you in your practice, you're gonna wanna definitely take the time to look at the fact sheet but um again the the fact sheet is just a brief description it's just a a paraphrasing of of these topics you want to take a look at the actual federal register document and here's the link to it again i'm so sorry 1747 pages but again um we have a limited time to comment on this proposal we we have to make sure those comments are in by september 13th of 2021 And you can respond by email, regular mail, overnight mail, or directly to any of the members of the Division of Practitioner Services. And in the first couple paragraphs of that long-winded PDF on the Federal Registry, they provide you with all those contact information. So um, make sure that you you do your part to participate. And uh, like Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? yes so be be, do that guys um we have some time left i do want to field a couple of questions if anybody has any questions again i i don't know how much of an answer i can give you i just reviewed the fact sheets i I haven't had a chance to really dive dive into the proposal so um again I, i i hope that you all take the time to take a look at it grab those fact sheets, look at the actual proposal there, comment, that's the major part. And you and I and our providers and our administrators, we all can comment on any of these subjects. It's not exclusive to just Medicare beneficiaries or Medicare providers, right? So let's see, what questions do we have? Well, if there are no questions about this, I know it was a lot of information. I do have a guest that would love to share with you an upcoming event that I will be speaking at. Um, I'll be speaking at the Virtual Healthcare Summit. Um, The summit is from September 10th through September 12th. And uh, I think we have Jennifer McNamara here from uh, Ozark Coding Alliance to talk to you more about this amazing event
1: Jennifer? Hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry it took so long. I was I was just like, okay, how do we do this? Do you know? How do we make this happen? <laughs> well here we are. Yay. So hello. Everyone. and uh, thank you Christine for offering to talk about the summit today um, I'm just like I can't even believe this is happening I did it last year it was a great success I did it last year because I was like none of us can go to a conference none of us can go to HealthCon and we missed that interaction and I have the ability as an APC instructor to offer CEUs to a lot of people so I'm like. I need to get in there and just start offering these CEUs to everyone, and uh, so it turned out great. We had like 170 people, which was which was huge for a virtual event. So it was great. Um, and so we had Terry Fletcher, we had Barbara Cabuzzi, we had, of course, Kim last year. A lot of great people. Jordan Johnson. Um, this year, we of course wanted to step it up a notch, and so we wanted to, of course, invite some new um, some new people. And of course, we still have Barbara. We still have Kim. And of course, we have you. I'm excited and this is what happens like when you plan things like this you you get to meet these great coders and people uh, in the industry and you get to interact and, and meet so many great coders doing this last year it opened up so much for us like you know i got invited to speak at so many chapters and you know, now I have my podcast and everyone's loving that because I get to offer CEUs for that too. I know. And so this year, yes, we have physician speakers. We have, my keynote speaker is actually going to be Dr. Jose Delgado. And I'm super excited. He is the, um, of course, from Taino Consultants. He's in Florida. And he's really partnered with EPI Compliance, which we now partner with as well. And um, we offer um, compliance services through them for our business. And uh, I love them. They're great. And so we have him and then I have also on their team, um, Dr. Hill Headley, who's going to come on and he's going to talk about he's actually going to talk about musculoskeletal anatomy with us. So. He's an ER physician. He's all about, you know, that's what he sees is trauma. <laughs> so he's going to talk about the bones and joints and all that. And we have a chiropractor um, that she's going to be talking to us about the spine anatomy. And then, of course, I'm going to be on there talking with um, Betty Hovey, which I'm excited about, about um, how to prepare for the CCS exam with the HEMA. So um, we're really excited for that. And I'm just, there's so much podiatry physician is joining us. I mean, urology presenter. We just have so much.
0: So, I am so, so excited. I cannot wait for the virtual summit. Um, all of those people I've admired my entire career. It sounds like the, the mecca of the business of healthcare is going to be presented. So super, super excited. Thanks for having me. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it and I'm, I look forward to your podcasts. So please, everybody, make sure that you you sign up for the Virtual Healthcare Summit, you check out um, Ozark Coding for the podcast. Lots of great information, guys. Um, we'll have all these links available to you again on the YouTube page, as well as on uh, any of the social media pages that we have. So have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy Thank your you for time. Sure, Jennifer, sure. I appreciate it. So take care, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching.